0: saranam gacchami dhamam saranam gacchami sangam saranam Gachami During our Jukai ceremonies we, we solemnly chant together these ancient Pali verses. Three times before Sangha members, after months of study and reflection, receive the Bodhisattva precepts. The ethical principles defined by the precepts are basically an elaboration of the three treasures Buddha, Dharma, Sangha which Jukai candidates vow to devote their lives to. I take refuge in Buddha. I take refuge in Dharma. I take refuge in Sangha. One year ago today, March 19th in this room, We chanted these words at my Denkai ceremony. From now on, Pat challenged, and even after realizing Buddhahood, will you follow this compassionate path of the three treasures that I'm now passing on to you? That same question, is asked of all of us, at every moment. From now on, from this day forward, will you follow the path of now, and
1: now, and now, and now?
0: Ordinarily, when we take refuge, we look for something solid that we can hold on to. Something to anchor us. Especially when the winds of change turn to a storm and batter us. We tell ourselves that there must be something immovable and eternal. Something we can count on. Some ground upholding the foundations of the world. But what are the three treasures that we run to them for certainty and safety? Taking refuge is both practice and the fruit of practice. It's opening to the life I've been given. Uncertain, elusive, even unsatisfying and painful. Rather than hiding from it or fighting against it. Trying to make it into the image of what I want it to be. Taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha is the implicit vow we make each time we recite Choko's practice principles. We promise to be
1: just this moment, to let go of
0: ideas about what we think our lives should be, what she calls the self-centered dream, and vow to be each moment, life as it is.
1: When you give yourself without reserve to everyday life, moment by moment, you take refuge in Buddha,
0: Dharma, and Sangha. You begin to see the emptiness an interconnection of everything, a reality empty of separation
1: and boundaries. You assume your place,
0: which isn't a fixed position, in the mesh and motion of ceaseless change and endless
1: relationship.
0: Being each moment, not getting into an argument with yourself about it, but being attentive and responsive to the demands of now is compassion's way. Compassion for ourselves and compassion for the whole world.
1: It's how we take care. Of everything.
0: Being each moment just as it is, rather than enacting a thought or trying to make a preference come true, is the way. The way of return to the source of our life, to what we call Buddha nature, or my original face
1: or the awakened life, or ordinary mind. In a paradoxical twist,
0: we flee from life as it is because, as we know, life is suffering and seek shelter in Buddha,
1: Dharma, and Sangha. We take
0: refuge by awakening to life as it is, to the teaching of awakening, and to the community of beings who practice the way of awakening.
1: So where does that leave us?
0: Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha don't seem like the solid ground that we're looking for. And
1: Master Lin Ji tells us as much. If you meet the Buddha on the road, he said, kill him.
0: Meeting the Buddha is meeting the idea you have about the awakened one, the golden idol of enlightenment you've set up on the altar of thinking. It mistakes the image of the awakened life that you hold in your head for what's always right here, your everyday,
1: ordinary life.
0: As soon as you conjure up a concept, you've already missed the Buddha, the awakened one you already are.
1: You've put a thought between you and it, separating what's actually one into two, creating an imaginary self and an imaginary Buddha. In real life,
0: you don't enshrine a doorway on the altar. During kinhin, you don't think, here is this self, me, Who needs to pass through this
1: thing, a door, and go to the bathroom. You just walk through with no thought at all. Nothing on the altar. Body and mind dropped away. There's just going to the bathroom.
0: lin tells us, to kill conceptualizations and open ourselves to the practice of responding to and taking care of whatever comes up.
1: Anything else is idolatry of Buddhas and Doors.
0: The Sanskrit word dharma has a hard to get a fix on ambiguity. Its double meaning is often distinguished by using uppercase dharma for the eternal truth that the Buddha taught and lowercase dharma dharma, to denote the 10,000 things that make up the ordinary world. They're also distinguished by singular and plural renderings, the Buddha Dharma and the
1: myriad dharmas. At
0: last year's session, our Jikido noticed that participants were chanting two different versions of the great vows. Some chanting, the Dharma is boundless I vow to master it. And others chanting, the dharmas are boundless.
1: I vow to master them.
0: That bothered her. It offended her need for order and her efforts to carry out her chikido responsibilities as well as she could wanting to correct our sutra books so everything would work out right this year, she wanted to know, which is right, dharma or dharmas?
1: I think Suzuki Roshi may have hit on the best solution. He used to say, things as it is.
0: But the real reason that I started down this road of the Three Treasures is Sangha. Sangha is definitely a lowercase
1: term. It's easy enough to define
0: Sangha as the community of Buddhist practitioners, the monks in a monastery, or the members of a Zen center. When, but when you look at who comes through the door, it can be pretty unnerving and incredibly sweet.
1: It's a wonderful experience giving
0: beginning instruction and Dokusan. You find yourself seated face-to-face with a whole cast of characters. Fragile, confused,
1: troubled, anxious, but also sincere
0: and incredibly brave. People with blustery self-confidence and highfalutin ideas about Buddhism and what practice will do for them, and fretful, timid people hobbled by
1: fear and worry or broken by illness. In a word, humans. And sangha is an uppercase term too.
0: And most definitely a treasure. After doing intense sitting together here at St. Raffaella, all of us know this. Most of us couldn't have done a session like this without the refuge of Sangha.
1: I know I couldn't. Sangha has been
0: on my mind these days. Mainly, I think, because things for my Sangha in Philadelphia, for all kinds of reasons, are changing. So we've started a conversation about the future of the
1: Zen Center of Philadelphia.
0: Those of us who've been around for a while are accustomed to doing things the way they've always been done. Always being a relative term, meaning since Pat founded the center in 2007, after 2004, after buying an old Victorian house in West Philly and starting up a Zendo in her home.
1: Starting out as a teacher
0: with no students and no Sangha, she had to do everything. And I mean everything
1: herself. Our way of doing practice grows out of that. A mix of Zen tradition,
0: skillful means, and that secret sauce of Pat George quirkiness, which I suppose is a kind of wisdom.
1: But Pat is getting older these days, and she's walking with a cane. She transmitted to me, but I'm not that far behind her in declining
0: stamina and probably in quirkiness, too. Some of our senior students are becoming aware of this and have begun to take on a share of the leadership, as well as the chores of making programs and services happen. And it makes me happy to see this.
1: It's a sign that our Sangha is not only growing, but it's maturing.
0: But the change that's overtaking us Feels bigger than a few adjustments in what the Zen Center of Philadelphia has been doing for, I was going to say 16, 19 years. What that means exactly,
1: I can't say.
0: It's more of a, a gut feeling about the urgency and full weight of impermanence than it is a five-year plan with well-defined
1: goals and measures.
0: When a Zen student receives transmission, they typically go off to start up their own place and become a teacher in their own right.
1: But I'm 71 years old too
0: old to establish a new sangha and there's plenty to do with my sangha and in my Zen center. On Friday I was in Dokusan with Pat and I said to her, if I were in my 50s, I'd leave and start my own place. And without missing a beat, she said, If I were in my 50s, I'd kick you out. So Pat's got a little bit of joko in her. Since Dharma Transmission last year, I've had this sense, this conviction, that my calling is to be a a transitional teacher. One who gets the Zen center of Philadelphia from its foundation by Pat to
1: whatever comes after me.
0: I guess that's sort of the job description of every teacher in a way. But the whatever comes after is the not knowing part. A Zen center is a really different animal from a Zen monastery. The main difference being that one has ordained monks whose profession is to practice and serve the monastery, while the other has lay members with careers and partners, mortgages, families, and other
1: so-called worldly responsibilities. the Zen tradition has made its way to
0: us largely on the backs of monks and monasteries, which makes the 21st century Zen center a real experiment in not knowing. But there does
1: seem to be a need for it, a hunger for lay practice here in America. And you and I here are the evidence of that.
0: In the early 1990s, I was a lay student at Zen Mountain Monastery. I was single and unattached and traveled back and forth from Philly to attend lots of sessions and programs.
1: The monks there got to know me And were bringing me along in the monastery's training matrix. Then I met Emily.
0: And we got married, bought a house, and started making babies. I no longer had time to go to the monastery or money to pay the fees. We were only barely making the bills for food, shelter, and clothes. Clothing. And one day, I got a call from the head monk asking what had become of me. And I explained the situation. And he made it clear
1: that there was no alternative to meeting the time and money membership requirements. When I told him I couldn't, he made me choose and state explicitly that I'd no longer be a student there.
0: I didn't regret the decision, but the monastery's unbending rule
1: saddened me. What worked for
0: monastic training didn't work for me, nor would it work for any of us, I suppose. It felt felt more like
1: their choice than my choice.
0: The flip side of that is the Zen Center, which has to be flexible and adaptive in finding ways to train and work with lay students whose lives aren't, shall we say, as single pointed
1: as monks. Lay practice
0: epitomizes Ordinary mind is the way. It's not a professionally dedicated religious
1: career. But it's more than going to Zen church on Sunday mornings, too. Lay practice is your whole life.
0: Job, school, friends, kids, spouse, home, political and civic activity,
1: TV at night, everything. Nothing left out. Life as
0: it is, rather than religious life, fitted to a monastic rubric. Not that there's anything wrong with that. So how does that translate into the change that I see coming for our sangha and the operational nuts and bolts of a Zen center? To my mind, the transition that I'm trying to encourage and finesse is getting our sangha
1: person by person personally invested in the life of the Sangha, from toilets to teaching. I can't say that I know what that looks like. But I can say that I know that I can't do it by myself, like Pat did.
0: I think Sangha taking ownership of Sangha is a condition for and the configuration of
1: what comes next. Being open
0: to the changes already underway is taking refuge in uncertainty, impermanence, emptiness
1: we'll need to be careful with the ideas we come up with and the future we envision. We must, of course, have concepts to function. Thinking isn't the problem.
0: The problem comes in believing that concepts are the truth with a capital T. Planning and fact finding definitely have a place in thinking about the future. But much, but much of what we need to do comes down to just doing the next thing,
1: and the next thing, and the next thing.
0: Completely absorbed in each task, each taking care of the others, and giving what we can to the practice of creating Sangha, today and in the years to come. The late Zen teacher Kyogen Carson was co-founder of Dharma Rain Center, a lay center built around a monastic
1: core. He once remarked, it's
0: really the little things we do. The choices we make today, moment by moment, that determine who we will be tomorrow. That goes for each of us individually
1: and for our Sangha. There's just this moment
0: and being with whatever this moment is. Nothing on the altar. Nothing but day by day co-arising of sangha.
1: I take refuge in sangha. This is planning
0: as practice. The kind of planning for the future that creates the Zen Center of Phila- what the Zen Center of Philadelphia is now and what our sangha will be now,
1: and now, and now, and now.